This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I have one of our other HITS partners again, back on the shows, Andy Wyman. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm good. Happy to be here. Good. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we're all getting uh, pretty busy right now, getting ready for our little party we're throwing uh, next month, in, or month and a half, I guess, in uh, Chicago. So I know you're busy. Appreciate you jumping on. No problem. The rooms are filling up. So anybody listening, if you're getting a room, get it now, because we're starting to fill up on rooms. We're, we'll probably have to get some more, but uh, wouldn't want you to miss out and be outside of the room block. So please uh, take some time, get on the website, and uh, book your hotel room right away. And for those of you, if you did, didn't hear, listen to our bonus episode, Andy's the one who kind of handles all the hotel logistics in there. And I know uh, one question I've gotten a few times, and I imagine you've gotten it too, is that the best way to book your, your hotel is go to hitsk9.net hitsk9.net, click the link and follow that. That'll automatically get you the right room rate and everything. So that's the best way to do it. Yep, that is. Uh, you could call the hotel and you could tell them you're with Hits, but uh, so much easier just to use the link and uh, they'll walk you through the whole steps and you'll get everything booked in a confirmation number right that way. Yeah. And if you're waiting for uh, approval from your department for travel or anything like that, you can always still go on and uh, pre-register uh, for the conference, just put the pay by check later and we'll figure it out. And then you can also reserve your room rate. So uh, just to get ahead of the game while you're waiting for your, your agency to, to get all their paperwork done. Yep. And also one last thing on that before we uh, move on to something else, you, um, you want to register and get yourself booked for the hits conference uh, on our website before July 13th so that uh, you could get the uh, discounted rate. Uh, you want to you want to may save a little money now. You don't have to pay before then. You just have to get yourself on the website, get registered, so that uh, you can get the discounted cost. So I brought Andy on today because we were uh, shooting the breeze a little bit about just uh, different things going on. And being a, a dog handler in Colorado, everybody has been uh, picking my brain about this uh, marijuana decision, uh, the McKnight case, and it, we we've done a show on that. I, I talked to some uh, guys on Working Dog Radio about it too. So lots of information about that McKnight case out there, but that's certainly not the only uh, only thing you need to worry about, obviously, if you're a, a drug dog handler. And Andy's done this forever, and he's really an expert in record keeping, and he's testified uh, in court several times on behalf of handlers. So he's a great uh, resource, and I, I like picking his brain sometimes. So we were just talking uh, about a couple of real common questions, and I've been to his class several times, and I, I always hear the same questions. So I know one of the real common ones I see you ask it in your class before, and guys sometimes are hesitant to answer it, but the, the question is, should you reward your dog on the street or not? And uh, how do you feel about that? And what do, what do, what's the reaction in the crowd a lot of times when you ask that question? Well, I get a lot of silence. Um, you know, it, it, the question I, I will pose to them is, you know, who in here, you know, I'll ask them almost to raise their hands. You know, who, who in here raise, uh, rewards their dog on the street? And I, and I get very few uh, that do it. And uh, a lot of silence. And then I ask why. And uh, some have, you know, there's lots of good reasons. You know, there's, you know, you're on a variable reward schedule, so you don't do it every time. 
good answer. You know, it's a, it's a reliable reason. It's a good reason. It's a good way to do it. Um, some people will say, you know, well, it was too dangerous at the time, which is also very good. Very good reason. If you're along the side of the road, cars whizzing past you, you don't really necessarily want to be throwing a toy around, uh, potentially bouncing out in traffic or having somebody swerve into you while you're there. It's best to get the heck out of the way. You know, and make sure you're you're in safe yeah. spots. So, both of which are pretty good answers. Uh, some of the things that we've seen in in some videos that have been sent to us to review for some court cases and things is um, they do reward the dog uh, afterwards, though. So, uh, I guess to describe it, it would be I ran my dog around the car. Uh, I got an indication to a door or a window or whatever. As I um, I didn't reward the dog at the time. Uh, and I put him up. I then go back, I search, I find whatever underneath the driver's seat, let's say, whatever drug it was underneath the driver's seat. I go back to my car, I get the dog back out. I deploy him again around the car. He does the same reaction and finds it, legitimately finds it just like he did the first time, and then I throw the toy the second time. And unfortunately, when that gets captured on your body-worn camera or your dash cam of the car, um, it's hard to argue. Because the question from the defense attorney will always be, why didn't you reward him the first time? And and the answer probably is, truthfully, because you weren't sure. Yeah. And that's an easy one for the defense attorney. It's a Tiger Woods two-foot tap-in putt. Um, if you were, if you're unsure of your dog, why should the court be sure of your dog? So these body-worn cameras and the dash cameras, you really got to be conscientious of what they're capturing. And, and you really want to reward the dog on the street from not only that perspective and, and that potential court question that you'll have to answer, uh, you also want to do it from a training perspective. I get lots of questions, and, and Jeff, and I think you and I have talked about this before, is the, the uh, guy will say, hey, I go to training and my dog is fantastic. I get him out of the car. We do, uh, you know, a, a car searches at a at a impound or a school lot or something like that. And at training, he is super high energy, sucking the paint off the side of the car, going around finding every seam, searching everything, and doing an absolutely fantastic job, almost on autopilot. Then I get to a real life deployment along the side of the road, you know, traffic going by, lights on in the car, siren came on to pull the guy over, or you responded to a, another officer stop. And when the dog gets out, he's flat. He's not overly interested. He wants to go smelling the grass along the side of the road, paying attention to uh, the people that got out of the car that are standing along the side of the road, all kinds of things that aren't exactly focused on sniffing on the car like he was at training. And one, there could be lots of reasons for that, but one of them might be, you know, if you don't reward him on the street, the dog knows the difference between training and real life. And he knows that he isn't going to get the reward on the street because of that scenario, the way it looks to him. He knows that that's the street, not training, and I'm not going to get paid for it. So my motivation to be there is is limited and lacking. And uh, it only impacts your performance. You know, it will impact how well you do and how confident you'll be with the dog. So a couple of things. You want training to mimic real life as often as you possibly can. And you want then real life to trust in your dog, believe in him. You guys have all done the work like you should. You've all trained hard like you should. And you all have good operating dogs. So trust in them. 
and trust that you're going to do it. I mean, what's the downside? I mean, some people have argued with, with the approach and said, well, you know, I could inadvertently reward him on something that, I, you know, that wasn't drugs. Well, I, I, I suppose, you know, if you're, yeah, training wasn't exactly up to par that time or, or, or at that time in your career. Maybe you could, but you can fix that. And one time of rewarding him probably won't make that a big deal um, if that should occur. But as long as you stay on top of your training, stay on top of making sure the dog only finds that target odor, that specific target odor, rewarding him on the street should be and, and will be better for you if you do it when when the dog actually finds it uh, on the street. It'll build your confidence. It'll build your dog. It'll be that much better for cord. Everything will just work out that much better. So I encourage you. I know it's a lot of people don't agree. And I know it might, might be taking the, the opposite side of what a lot of people talk about. But I'm telling you from personal experience, um, if you do the right work and you train hard enough, doing it will not cause you any trouble and it can only cause you benefit. Well, and I'll tell you, put my two cents in is that I, I like the idea. And when, uh, you know, when I used to handle a drug dog, when he got paid on street dope, you know, in the middle of some crappy car on the side of the road, and I started paying them on that. Those searches got so much better because that became the, the game then. And I wasn't in the sterile car pound. So, you know, the more I found on the street, the better he got on the street because he was getting rewarded. And, you know, same with my, my dog now is a, a bomb dog and he finds guns. And, you know, I, I found a really nice, had a really nice find on a gun that wasn't one of our guns that we've, you know, trained him on for quite a while. And the very first time that I found that, I just got lucky in the timing, the reward and everything encouraged that behavior and now his gun searches are much better. So, you know, I, I, I think it's, everybody understands that that training should mimic reality, but reality should in a way mimic training as far as your enthusiasm and your, your rewarding and, and, you know, keep those two very, very similar. Absolutely. And nothing could be more motivating to the dog to go out in real life, find the actual target odor, not your training dope, not your training gun, uh, and actually get rewarded for it and, and have good high praise at that time. His his thought process is going to be, man, I can really do this out here and get paid for it and, and, and do well. And it will only improve the dog's ability, your confidence, everything. And, and getting paid right then and there, you know, as, as exactly. safely as possible. But man, if you can do it right when he's first getting in that odor and reinforce what he's doing right at that moment, I just think it pays dividends that you can't, you can't mimic it in training. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that's a, and that's a, it's a big one that people just kind of, I don't know that they, over, uh, maybe they overlook it, I guess, is the, is the opportunity to do it and how important that can be. Cause they just overlook that opportunity uh, because they're so focused on, you know, getting to the drugs and finding it, get the guy in custody and you know, all that kind of stuff. So this, it kind of goes by the wayside. And that's one of the things I've, I've talked to like dual purpose handlers about this very subject. And, you know, the, those, the, the if you work with dual purpose dog, think of, you know, in training, your dog does good finding people, but it, it took a, a couple of real people, whether you bit them or not, but it took a few real people, real finds that weren't your, your training partners that was different uh, for the dog really to dial in. And, and, you know, if, if it was an apprehension, the dog kind of self rewards at that point. So they get better at it. If, uh, it wasn't an apprehension, but it was a, a hide where you restrain the dog and you were probably at that point, you, I always see, uh, handlers on, on videos, you know, holding the dog back and praising the dog and everything for, for a person. So that, that same mindset needs to go over to the detection side as well. 
Yep, I agree, and I've seen a lot of guys do better once they do find that first person on the street, and that so that it does make sense, it, and it does carry over that way. So, I, I think it's something for people that they should think about and uh, and try to try to get themselves enough confidence and enough belief in their training and themselves because they are all doing it right. You know, it isn't that they are are weak or or bad at what they do; they're all doing a great job. It's just they got to have the confidence to say, "I I do know what I'm doing." I'm doing it right, and I can reward on the street and really get yeah. this job done. So let's touch on something real quick that, that you did touch on, but just in case, you know, maybe if you're a newer handler and you're going through this in your own mind and you were told at whatever school you're at not to do this, and then you think, okay, well, you know, my new dog, I'm a new handler, I go around a car tonight and uh, my dog hits on a, a box, and lo and behold, there's a, a smothered burrito in it from, from a fast food restaurant. I've just rewarded him on that. You touched on this, but I mean, that's not a big deal. You know, I mean, dog, dog might be a little confused, but the first thing you'd want to do is go to that restaurant, buy a couple of burritos, put them out in your training area. The dog will walk them a few times and, and you're done. It's not, it's no big issue. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you want to figure out, you know, first off was, you know, having a burrito out there and having a behavior change to it. I mean, he may have a difference in behavior, but odds are the behavior change that he had probably wasn't the behavior change he normally has for dope. Uh, you know, it, dogs can have pieces of that behavior change for drugs and for other things, but n- most of the time they're not going to have the total uh, behavior change that happens. So, you know, a dog can turn his head for for dog pee, let's say, and a dog can bracket dog pee, and a dog can track the dog pee to its source so that they can then do what normally pee on it, right? And uh, and if it's unless it's my dog, they want to lick it, which yeah. is awful, but uh, that's what he loves to do. So anyway, so you get them to, the, you can see them do that. Well, my dog at least, and I think uh, it's pretty common amongst yeah. most, will um, do those three things, the, the head turn and the bracketing and the tracking that odor in, uh, but what he won't have is a really, ex- really excited posture. You know, yeah. he's going to be more apprehensive. Yeah. His hair may even stand up and on his the back. The tail right? will be up and curled, you know, pointing forward. Yeah, and it bit. won't be wagging yeah. back and forth at an exciting, uh, you know, fast pace, and his uh, his anticipation of play won't be there. It'll be more like, wow, there's a big dog out here, but, yeah. or there is a dog out here, and I might need to be I might need to be cautious yeah. about it yeah. rather than excited yeah. about hey I'm about to get my toy and I'm going to play yeah. and everything's going to be fun so you know you want to think that one through and say well look I can see the difference in this behavior change and because of that you know if you didn't notice it and you limit yourself to those other just a two or three pieces of that uh, uh, total behavior change you may be cutting yourself short and and causing yourself to see things uh, a reaction to things that aren't really the target odor so you want to really follow that entire behavior change and make sure all the pieces are there. And then, like you said, uh, for your records, you would want to go get you know burritos and put them out and say, you know, the dog walked right past him. And, and uh, yeah, he maybe sniffed at him, but he didn't do that response that I know from my training is target odor. And, of course, you know, odds are they're not going to sit down at him if it's anything like my uh, previous dog that was quite a bit of a chow hound <laughs> that dog would uh, absolutely want to eat that thing so he had no desire to want to go uh, uh, sit down at it that dog wanted to eat it so he'd rip the box open he'd go crazy after it so it was a big difference in behavior than uh, than sitting down like a passive would be so so yeah you know it, it, you just you know put things out i mean you have to deal with it as it comes if that should happen but you know that also should point you in the direction of some training that you need to do to improve your ability to read the behavior change and or you know the dog's reaction to that uh, to that odor that's outside of it so you know 
it's it's to each their own. I'm not telling everybody you have to do it that way, but I am saying there are there are some benefits to doing it, um, and there are some things that in court would benefit you because it would catch you up uh, down the road. So you might want to think it through and to see what it turns out to be. Good food for thought. Yeah. So moving on, what's the what's the next common question that we were going to talk about? Well, I had some, uh, you know, we I run that uh, uh, our software that we do is a pack track, and during that uh, uh, time of managing that and doing that, we uh, we get lots of questions and requests of uh, what to add into the system, and our system is based on you know the user feedback. We get a lot of user feedback. We edit the system so that it benefits everybody, and and we try to make sure we don't put things in there that would hurt us down the road. So uh, we get a lot of requests for percentages uh, in training. So. Um, people will write us and say, hey, uh, Harris says, and Harris is what I'm talking about, it's Florida versus Harris, the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court case about drug dogs and their reliability. And they'll say, hey, I read in Harris that uh, we need to do a percentage of accuracy related to our training records. And uh, it's just not true. That's just not in there that way. It does say uh, some things about training and it does talk about percentages, but it doesn't really say that you want to put a percentage of accuracy related to your training. Uh, Harris, if in a nutshell, really had two pieces to it that were super important to us. One of them was that uh, uh, percentages um, in, in Florida, the fourth circuit said that they wanted a gold standard of a percentage of accuracy for your deployment. So they would do that comparison of uh, dog indicates on the road and you find or don't find it come up with that percentage of accuracy as they called it. And the Supreme Court in Harris said that that is not the gold standard with which to make a determination of reliability. And they went on to say the percentage like that, a bright line rule was the very antithesis of what uh, probable cause has always been established in in the law. Probable cause has always been a totality of the circumstances, not one facet with a bright line rule. A totality yeah. of the circumstances. So, because that was the big piece, or one of the big pieces that they said in, in that, um, you don't want to then go try to create a percentage of training because again, whether it's a percentage in deployment that they said don't do, and you yeah. can't use that as a bright line rule to prove your dog inaccurate, you also then can't use that as a bright line rule to prove your dog accurate because yeah. again, it's a totality of the circumstances, not the percentage of what's going on. So that's the first thing that you really want to don't go down that road and get lost in Harris to say that that's what it says because it, it truly doesn't. It 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 it, uh, it hints towards uh, making training. It says training is the most important thing, and that's how you should evaluate uh, the reliability of the dog. And it gives a little roadmap for defense attorneys of what to challenge, but it doesn't come out and say, "Hey, let's use those percentages." So. Um, the second piece of why that would be an issue is uh, think about how you would act at training. Um, if I came from Florida out to your place again, Jeff, like I did many years yeah. ago, and we put on a class, and uh, I put, uh, I don't know, a couple of grams of Coke in a 10-foot ceiling, drop ceiling, and said, go. And you and your guys came through, and let's say the idea of percentages in training was in effect. And that's yeah. what we were doing. Uh, and you came through and of course, didn't find the two grams, yeah. 10 feet in the area uh, on the top side of a drop ceiling and find it. Um, that would impact your reliability. That would impact your percentage, would it not? 
And uh, you'd probably say, man, I'm not going to have that fat ass from Florida come back here <laughs> doing any training. So because of that, um, training then would devolve down to what we know would give us a really good accuracy uh, rate. Yeah, I'd just throw in a couple of gas caps and call it good, right? Right. Yeah. You would put everything at nose level. Everything would be surface. Nothing would be deep. Wouldn't be anything high. You wouldn't work with any wind. You'd make sure there was no wind. You'd have everything pretty much set up because, you know, you don't want to hurt your body and your body doesn't want to hurt you. So you'd have all the odors at perfect levels, at perfect heights, at perfect locations so the dog would find everything perfectly. And that's really not what training's about. As we all know, training is to, uh, to challenge you, to push you, to push you and the dog and to you know, make, make you improve. Uh, and if you're going to fail, you should fail at training you know, and know when, uh, find out when you are doing something wrong and fix it. And uh, if your percentages of accuracy that would be used in court would be tied to training, None of that would happen. No, None of that exactly would happen. Exactly. It would only be as simplistic as it could possibly be so the percentage would stay high. And yeah. um, it just is the, uh, again, that word antithesis. It's absolutely the, the opposite of what you want to do at training. You want to challenge yourself at training. You want to challenge your dog. You want to do things to improve at all times. And if, it, if there is something that doesn't go well, you want to fix it and move yep. on and get better at it. So um, those are some things that we get a lot of questions for, and we try to make sure we answer them as thoroughly as possible. And uh, we just thought, well, let's get this message out because we've had lots and lots and lots of those questions. And I guess that I'll, I'll do a shameless plug here for, for our HIT seminar is that there's some disinformation out there, and it's from well-meaning people, but um, they may be a red Harris or they don't, you know, but some of that's coming from people who I do believe mean well. Um, but it, that information is out there. So at a, at a seminar, you know, credible seminar, like obviously I feel ours is, you can hear from Ted Douse who wrote, uh, you know, some opinion piece that went, that the Supreme Court read part of this. So, you know, get your information from a reliable source. I'm not saying you have to come to HITS to get it, but when you hear some of these things at a training date, whatever it is, if it's a training methodology, methodology or a court case or whatever, you know, Take it for, for that you're hearing it there and, and then maybe research a little on your own and, and find out, is that really what this court case said or is that just you know uh, a rumor that keeps being persistent? Yeah, and take the time to read it yourself. I mean, you're, you know, it, it's not uh, rocket science. You read it, you uh, uh, look at it and analyze what it says and try to comprehend all, all the different parts of it. And you, you'll figure it out. You'll know that uh, whether or not what somebody's telling you is actually the God's honest accurate i mean i'm not saying they're lying but whether they've accurately interpreted the law or whether they're you know kind of using a, a, a squirrely piece of it to try and get somewhere so yeah just just try to look at the whole thing and and make sure you're on the right page and talk it over with your friends nothing's better to learn than having a discussion like this and uh, doing it with a group of people and hearing different ideas and different ways of uh, doing things and, and then figuring out what works best for you. And, uh, you know, we are lucky at HITS to have Ted involved in, in this so much because he did write an amicus brief that um, was submitted to the court and they took a bunch of pieces out of what he wrote to actually write the opinion for Harris. So he had a huge influence on getting that case uh, to benefit all of us all across the country. So uh, we're lucky to have him. Yep, absolutely. So we'll wrap this up and we'll just mention again, uh, hitsk9.net will get you to all the information. Uh, we'll be in Chicago as we keep uh, mentioning, but hitsk9.net. On that, you can uh, check out Andy's biography on there, see 
uh, that he do, does indeed uh, have a, a long history uh, training dogs and a great uh, source of information. The contacts in, will be in the show notes for both of us. So if you have questions about this or questions that you want to uh, have us discuss later on any topic, just uh, shoot me an email, jeff at hitsk9.net. You can reach Andy at andy at hitsk9.net. Um, so check out our website. Hopefully we'll see you guys in Chicago uh, in August. So Andy, again, thanks for uh, jumping on. I appreciate it. And we will uh, talk to you real soon. Thanks, Jeff. Talk to you later. Hits Radio is brought to you by the professionals at Hits Training and Consulting. Don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference coming to the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois this August. Hits has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.